0: Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, out loud, book by book, chapter by chapter. We finished Revelation yesterday. looked at Revelation chapter 22, saw that beautiful description, not just a beautiful description, right, but one that we saw was full of meaning um, of the city of Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, which is what we're looking forward to on the resurrection, but it's also what we have right now in the church The perpetual Day of Atonement, Holy of Holies experience of being in Christ. We looked at that, and now we're going back in some ways to the beginning, not the beginning, beginning like Genesis, but to the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is how the gospel of Mark begins, so good to be back in the Gospels. So going through this Gospel account, it's the shortest Gospel. A lot of people say it's the earliest Gospel um, or or the simplest Gospel, but there's a lot of complexity here, and it begins with that that first verse. Um, This description, the story gets running right away, with the baptism of our Lord, the temptation of Jesus, the you know the ministry of John the Baptist going right into the ministry of our Lord, so uh, this quick start we're we'll going to be talking about that. Why start here? Why not start with Bethlehem? So those are the sorts of questions we're looking at today. And joining us we have as our guest we've got Pastor Daniel Olson, pastor at Saint Paul Lutheran Church in Luxembourg, Wisconsin. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back with us. And yeah, you get the treat of us uh, starting us off with a gospel again.
1: Yeah, well, you know that probably makes up for you know the last time I was here. I had to take you through part of the book of Revelation, right? Yeah, a little more challenging, a little, a little, <laughs> yeah, little, uh, little less clear. So it's good to be in the gospels, uh, back in the gospels here today. That's
0: that's right, though. I think we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of neat connections between Revelation um, and the Gospels, and um, and even in Mark, you know. I mean, I think that people commonly think of John being closely tied, uh, related to uh, Revelation. Of course, since it's the same guy who who was putting pen to paper. uh, But I think there's a lot of connections with the other Gospels as well. You know, it's not like they're all on a different page. And in some ways, we call them four Gospels, but in the Greek text, right? It's just the Gospel according to Matthew, according to Mark, according to Luke, according to John. It's the same Gospel going on in all four. Right,
1: different different accounts, same Gospel, one Gospel.
0: So it'll be good to make some of those connections. Um, I think we all, I think, I think, I think most Christians just love reading the Gospels. I know I've got a little um, pocket edition that's just. Uh, the New Testament and the Psalms, right? You know, just it's so great to just read the Gospels, uh, but hopefully we'll appreciate it with uh, with some renewed um, depth, having looked at Revelation and the Old Testament just prior. But so good to to have you back to start us out strong here, as we do turn to the text. Would you say a prayer for us and for all of our listeners and for everyone out there?
1: Absolutely. We pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that during these unsettled times in our nation and in our world, you give us the firm foundation of the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Grant that as the world faces the reality of death in a way that is perhaps more concrete for many people in our society than it has previously been, Grant that your church would be able to shine forth the light of Jesus Christ and the solid foundation that we have in him, the salvation which he gives to us through his suffering, death, and resurrection. Grant, Lord, that we would hear that message of repentance once again, that as we face things in our world that are considered to be deadly, that we would be reminded of the something far more deadly, the deadliness of our sin that we would be moved to confess our sin, and that we would receive that healing which our Savior, Jesus Christ, so freely offers to us, that we might have the confidence of knowing that no matter what we face in this world, that we ultimately have the assurance that all things, even death itself, have been overcome for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Well, um, I appreciate your prayer too. I think you, it was a nice tie-in to looking at the uh, the first verse, which I think we're going to have to spend a decent chunk of time talking about. Um, but before we dig in um, in depth and looking at the the first verse and uh, the quotation from Isaiah, question mark? Right? <laughs> um, we'll we'll want to just read the whole chapter straight through. Uh, just kind of let let the thing speak for itself. Be able to to hear. Uh, how all the pieces fit together and then we'll come come around and we'll we'll get into that first verse if that sounds good. Okay. All right. So here is Mark chapter 1 the English standard version. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. "'because they knew him. "'And rising very early in the morning, "'while it was still dark, "'he departed and went out to a desolate place, "'and there he prayed. "'And Simon and those who were with him "'searched for him, and they found him and said to him, "'Everyone's looking for you. "'And he said to them, "'Let us go on to the next towns, "'that I may preach there also, "'for that is why I came out. "'And he went throughout all Galilee, "'preaching their synagogues and casting out demons.' But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter." All right. Well, <laughs> you, you can't say that Mark slow rolls this, right? I mean, it's just all of that happens in chapter one. And uh, I know that I'm like, as I'm reading this, I'm like, are we seriously going to try to get through an entire chapter in just this one hour? You know, like there's, there's there's so many pericopes here, you know, like usually you just take one of these little chunks um, in the lectionary that you, you read and preach on on a Sunday. But it is interesting how Mark ties it all together. And it's just kind of like right off the bat, what happens? Jesus shows up. He becomes really well known. He causes controversy. Uh, he just can't go anywhere without controversy and acclaim following him. I, I mean, it just shows how this, there was this electricity around him just from the very beginning.
1: Right. And, you know, that's why God, Mark is known, it's a gospel of action, things that yeah. you see immediately. It moves from one thing to another very rapidly, and, you know, right. spends less time on the, the individual teachings, but just simply showing the actions of Jesus, moving very, very rapidly, ultimately, to the cross. And, uh, you know, the conflict as well that we see building throughout it.
0: Right. Jesus is confronted with. Right, yeah, no, definitely, it's a, a lot of action. I mean, it's a lot of talking too. Um, it is interesting, you know. In, in each one of these episodes, there does seem to be like at least some kind of a voice for for most of them. You know, um, you know, you've got at the beginning, you don't you don't have quite like the the voice of Jesus right away, but um, you, you go from um, Isaiah to John to the voice from heaven. Um, and then finally, Jesus speaks up, and, and you start getting more of these red letters. Where Jesus doesn't have to say a lot, right? He does speak, but it's like it, it is so interesting how Mark, as you were saying, he, he he details the actions more because the words are just kind of—I I, mean—they're so simple and straightforward, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and the words are are vividly portrayed by the actions,
0: right. No, that's right. Yeah, no, the, the the words are in many ways expanded by the actions, right? Um, it, it, I was kind of reminded of this recently, you know, like there's a common phrase, you know, uh, actions speak louder than words. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, true in many ways, but, you know, the things that you say right before and during and right after your actions are pretty important. Um, you know, like, I mean, what you say, it can change the whole way that people look at the actions you're taking. Um, and so I think it is really key that Mark does include what the Lord is saying, um, even if it's just a little sentence here or there. Obviously, he said more. I know that sometimes there, there's that—I um, hear that that kind of humorous remark for, uh, what is it, in verse 15, right? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And someone says, well, hey, look, pastor, that was like a 15-second sermon, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's probably not the whole thing, but he's including just enough to go along with the actions, right?
1: Right. Yeah, it's the, the words and actions go together, but it is clear Mark is focusing on uh, the, the actions of Jesus with moving from one event to another. And of course, you know, the observation is made as well that we see the growing conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders as well throughout the book that ultimately reaches its climax at the cross.
0: Right. I mean, it, um, it is interesting, too, how you can say there is that, that cross-focus uh, orientation. It is the conflict that leads right up to the crucifixion. And, and Mark doesn't spend a lot of time describing Easter, right? I mean, the resurrection. It, it's very, it's very oh. succinct. Um, The the focus, it does seem to be very cross-oriented, which in some ways, it reminds me a lot of John and Revelation, for that matter. Um, But uh, let's go ahead and and kind of get into some details here. We we just kind of talked a little bit about how Mark is giving us this very selective account. Um, He's focusing on the actions. He is giving us a little bit of what the Lord is saying, but it's not like a big, long discourse, like Sermon on the Mount, like Matthew. So how does that tie in with what we see in verse one, um, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God? I mean, someone might say, well, isn't that kind of odd? Like, Cause isn't the beginning like, you know, uh, you know, Jesus born in Bethlehem or isn't the beginning uh, like, like John, right? You know, the, uh, even before that, in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God, right? Um, it's interesting how both John and Mark See, this is one of the things I was, I was talking about. John and Mark both start with this uh, beginning word, and unlike I think Luke and uh, Matthew, so there, there's kind of a, a weird connection between just those two in particular. So, um, break break break
1: it down. What do you, what do you think
0: we're supposed to get out of verse one?
1: Well, you know, sometimes the, the term gospel is is used to include every. Uh, action of our Lord that He ultimately uh, that is a part of His work of salvation for us, but sometimes it is right. also used narrowly to focus right. on ultimately His uh, suffering, death, and resurrection. Um, right. so you think about you know if you were asked to if you were asked to uh, give a definition, what is the gospel? That question gets asked a lot. It's important, and there's a lot of that term gets used very differently. In our world today, certainly in, in a lot of different Christian churches, what is the gospel? There's a lot of confusion on that. Well, if somebody asks you, um, what is the gospel, you would most likely use that in the narrower term and right. explain that it is the good news of Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. You would focus on those central aspects of right. Christ's work, rather than going into you know, all of the details of... Um, that we find in the other gospels which are certainly a part of of uh you know Jesus life and certainly important things that tell us more about Jesus but not necessarily a, a those central acts specific right. to his overcoming uh sin and death.
0: Yeah, that's that's well said, you know, kind of it brings up the question you know what so what do we mean by gospel and uh that's that's kind of funny that you actually mentioned that because actually just yesterday, I got a couple of emails from um some of our our young catechumens um our, our confirmants uh, asking you know what if you you know put it in your own words what would you say is the gospel right and so I was right. kind of like talking about this this very thing you know it's uh, like you were saying in the broad sense it includes I mean, like everything that the Lord Jesus did. And you think of the Gospel of John at the end, right, where he's like, you know, if you wrote down everything that the Lord Jesus did, it couldn't fit in all the libraries in all the world, right? Um, but, you know, these things are written, right? So there's that sense. Um, In a broader sense still, really, the Gospel includes like everything that we believe and teach and, and do as Christians. Um, I mean, so it can be very, very expansive, but um like you were saying there's this narrow sense of particularly uh the I mean particularly with the passion with the the death or resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus and here it seems like well I don't know there's a couple of different ways people take this um the way that I uh, I mean it's interesting I think um James Veltz uh, recently did the Concordia commentaries on the Gospel yeah. of Mark and he has a note about how the word gospel here tends to refer in the New Testament and probably here, perhaps, to gospel preaching activity. It's interesting, the word in Greek, right, is evangelion, which is what we get our word evangelism from. And so one way of translating this is uh, the beginning of the evangelism of Jesus Christ, or the beginning of Jesus Christ's evangelizing which I mean, that puts a really interesting uh it's a really interesting take on it, right? Because rather than kind of thinking about it in terms of like the gospel about Jesus, it's more like the gospel that Jesus was speaking and doing, um, which is actually a little bit what you actually just have in Mark, where it says there, uh, where was it in verse fourteen, right? Um, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, so Jesus is going around preaching the gospel. And, well, so it sort of makes sense to leave out the the stuff about, you know, uh, Bethlehem and Egypt and Nazareth, uh, you know, their infancy, yeah. because, well, when Jesus was a boy, he wasn't preaching.
1: <laughs> right, right. This shows the specific, I mean, each of the gospel writers has a, a specific uh, focus, and Mark's, again, you know, Mark is action and showing uh, Jesus preaching and uh, performing his miracles, giving evidence of who he is, and ultimately uh, going to the cross and suffering and dying. So he has a very specific focus. Not He's not getting into all of that background material.
0: Right. And And I like what you just said about the miracles, right? Because I think that it's really interesting because when you look at our English Bible translations, the headings Put a lot of focus on the miracles, right? It's like Jesus walks on water. Jesus feeds five thousand, yeah. right? Like that that's the way we kind of think about it. It's like, you know it's it's about the miracles, but yeah, I mean, what does the Lord Jesus say is his purpose? I mean, we actually read it here in chapter one. He says it in verse thirty eight Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. I mean, He says it right there, his purpose is preaching.
1: Yeah, that seems like a very strange account, Uh, you know, that that section there, where uh, Jesus is very popular, of course, and uh, the disciples, I'm sure, love that uh, entire situation, and we see that, um, you know, that he's he's healing people, and... uh, they're, they're uh, bringing people to him all the way back to verse 32. Uh, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or demon-possessed. It seems like, you know, this is really kind of a great gig in a sense, right? Uh, right. Verse 34, he's, he's healing, and then um, he does something that makes no sense at all. Uh, verse 35, of course, he gets up early in the morning, even after working late into the night, um, mm-hmm. and uh, while it's still dark, he goes out and he prays. And uh, we we see that frequently with Jesus, the prayer life of Jesus. Um, But then they search for him, you know, Simon, and uh, they they search for him, they find him, and they they say to him, everyone's looking for you, you know, come on, let's go, let's get going. And what does he say? He he gives them a a response that seems to make no sense at all. Let us go on to the next town. In other words, let's pack up and leave. And why? He he makes it very clear why, that I may preach. That's why I came. He didn't come. He didn't come to lay hands on everyone he could and perform every miracle he could. Those miracles were performed to support the proclamation of the word, to give evidence that he was who he was. But ultimately, the purpose why he came was to preach, to preach the word and so he says it's time to go on
0: exactly and I, and I like the way you you kind of more freely translated it there cuz it's getting at that greek word there in verse 38 ago i mean it's like let's get a move on let's keep let's keep going right like yeah. we got more cities to visit right cuz i mean in his the way he's talking about it is like well, these yeah, I'm popular here, right? But what's that matter? They've already heard the gospel. There's more places that got to hear it, um, which is just such an interesting way of thinking about it, because I feel like when we talk about you know what, what's important that our Lord Jesus did, we in many ways go straight to the passion, maybe straight to the cross. But the focus really in the gospel accounts is on his preaching. And we got to get more back to that thought. But We got to take our break here, everybody. Hang on. We're looking at Mark chapter 1 here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right
1: back. Wednesday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss the Sacrament of the Altar and the Emmaus Disciples with Pastor Peter Bender, its media coverage of religion with Terry Mattingly, and we'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday School lesson on Stephen the Martyr.
0: Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO.
1: I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Could it be that some Supreme Court justices are hinting that it's time to revisit Roe v. Wade, the infamous 1973 ruling that legalized abortion on demand in the United States? That's the topic of discussion on World Lutheran News Digest, Wednesday at 2.30 and Saturday at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO.
0: Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO welcome back everybody to thy strong word I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're looking at Mark chapter one. We're back in the Gospels, and it's so good to be back in the Gospels. We're joined today by our guest, Pastor Daniel Olson, pastor at Saint Paul Lutheran Church in Luxembourg, Wisconsin. We were just uh, really talking about verse one, but yeah, we read the whole chapter and we saw how verse one, um, you know, ties into these other remarks and themes, you know, that you see in verses. Uh, you know, fourteen and fifteen, and then we were kind of really kind of we kind of jumped ahead to kind of talk about it more. Just the idea of the Lord preaching and the focus on that um, there in verses thirty-five to thirty-nine. If you have a question for me or Pastor Olson, if you are listening live, then you've got a unique opportunity. You can send us your questions. Uh, you can send an email kfuo at kfuo um, If you are following along on on Facebook or YouTube, you can go ahead and type in questions there too. Also, you can give us a call. Uh, Don't be bashful. It's fine. We won't bite. 1-800-730-2727. If you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Also, don't want to neglect to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your work and for your support of Thy Strong Word. Their website is lhfmissions.org. So check check it out really quick if you haven't already. Uh, They keep updating their site with Good stuff going on all around the world. So, uh, if nothing else, it gives you more insight into what you can pray for. Go, uh, what's going on around the world? So, uh, but yes, coming back to Mark chapter one, yeah, just talking about this. There's, there's so much of this focus on, yeah, let's let's keep going. More places have got to hear the gospel. His, his you know, yeah. job one is is it's preach the gospel. Which is, um, I, I was just saying, it just seems like to be kind of the last thing that we talk about. You know, um, I, I feel like kind of people first think of, well, he died on the cross for our sins. And that's obviously very important and central in some ways, like we talked about yesterday in Revelation. Um, you know, maybe we'll talk about Easter. Um, maybe we'll talk about the Ascension, though that gets left out pretty frequently too. Um, you know, maybe we'll talk about how he lived a perfect life, how he never sinned, right? But you look at the gospel accounts, right? And, and the focus, so the majority of Mark's chapters are going to be about the focus of him preaching, which has to be of anything the thing that we leave out the most. Like we just we never never we never talk about that. I don't know what to make of that. That's just kind of an observation.
1: Yeah, it's also it's also the uh, the case at times in the church that uh, preaching isn't considered to to be as we are we don't necessarily value it as much do we the, how often times do we find in the church that people would would like to see miracles they they long for um the miracles but yet we see that Jesus his focus his emphasis is the preaching and right. you know we 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 should go back uh, a little bit not quite to verse one i guess we're kind of kind of going taking this backwards if if uh, a little bit if that's okay but yeah yeah that's fine we, yeah well, I mean, it's, hey, it's. it's your program. i'm I'm just the <laughs> one <laughs> but, but we look at uh, you go back to um, what's always striking to me is when you go back to uh, verse verse twenty seven and uh, we we see there, they were all amazed and questioned themselves, what is this? a new teaching with authority? You know when we think about that preaching, and uh, we go, you know and we also see that in verse twenty two, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught, them as one who had authority, and not right. as scribes. Um, and and that, that's an important, that's something that we need to note that about Jesus teaching his preaching, it is with authority. Uh, we should note that, because that's a major issue in our world today, I mean, in what we call, oftentimes we refer to as a postmodern modern uh, society, where one of the hallmarks is authority is questioned it, it, typically right. not even questioned right <laughs> it's just
0: yeah well, um, yeah yeah
1: reject well, it but well it's it's just like
0: it's it, 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 it's like you don't even have to reject it cuz it's just like well that's your truth right and this is my truth yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have to even reject it it's just it just it's just kind of bouncing off of me or something right
1: yeah i heard that phrase uh i can't remember where where, where i was watching something and uh and i heard that phrase she has her truth. Okay. <laughs> well, that, 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 I mean, truth is an individual thing. You have, you have your truth, and what's true for you is true for you, but not for me. But that that's very different than what we find in Scripture, isn't it? Uh, Jesus speaks with authority because he is truth, and therefore right. there is one truth. And in our world today, that rejection of, of authority, of course leads to all all manner of, of problems uh, and it and it leads to all manner of insecurity and you think yeah. about what what difference that made for these people why shock was because their scribes never spoke with authority they would quote others and they would try to search for authority but Jesus is saying this what I'm saying this is true period yeah that that authority is critical, because that authority then brings the greatest comfort imaginable. Jesus would speak with authority at all times, especially when he when he he spoke the forgiveness of sins, when he spoke from the cross, "It is finished," declaring that sins were paid for. So that that authority is essential for us even today, and that rejection of authority that we find creates doubt and insecurity, and that that's. Uh, uh, no way to live, and certainly no way to die. But we have the authority of Jesus,
0: right? A- amen. I, I, that's I, that's so well said, brother. It's, and I think that the word authority is a very helpful um, bridge between things that that may seem um, disconnected a little bit, because you know we we so often focus on uh, the, the, for instance, the crucifixion. Um, or um, sometimes, like I was saying, the resurrection or, or maybe the ascension, if we can remember it, right? Um, but the common denominator of all those things is authority, right, including with the preaching. You know, he has the—like uh, what John says, he has the authority to, to lay down his life and to take it back up again. Um, when, when he's yeah. raised up and ascended, the apostles say that God has made him Lord in Christ. He has authority, over the church, over the nations. Um, and he has the authority here in his preaching. And so what you have in all of those things, front and center, is the authority of Christ. And, and I think we got to take a comprehensive view that the salvation of Jesus comes from his authority. Um, and whether, whether that's in, in the preaching, or whether that's in the dying, whether that's in the rising, the ascending, all of those, the sending of the Spirit, I mean, all all those things. It's it's the authority he has saving authority as the Messiah, and then the word Messiah and its basic meaning, right, is anointed one. And what do you do? Well, you anoint someone to show what that they're the one in authority, that they're the king. Um, so I mean, that that authority idea is I think we I think we got to recapture that in the way that you just explained it with application to truth. Okay is so helpful in our context, because I don't know, people can, people can act like, oh, well, you know, back then they were pretty simple. They all just kind of got in line. Everyone just kind of like, you know, it's very authoritarian or something like that. Right. No, no. I mean, look back at the situation, you know, like you were just saying, right. The scribes um, were were doing all different kinds of things. Each one of them would quote like a different, uh, a different kind of teacher. And it was just kind of like, well, according to this guy, this and according to this guy, that, you know, and everyone and all the people were like, well, okay, there's different opinions. You've got your Pharisees, you got your Sadducees, you've got your your zealots. There's all these different opinions. Um, And so it's the same sort of situation. And so the air is struck as we are by the by the authority of Jesus who comes in and says, I'm not telling you it's according to this guy or according to that guy or here's an opinion or here's something to chew on. This is how it is. And I have the authority to tell you that this is what it is.
1: Yeah, his, his preaching is marked by authority. And of course, I, I mean, I don't want to uh, spend the whole hour on it, but this is a, this is a, a issue for the church today. Uh, is, is our preaching marked by that authority of Christ? Do we declare with authority, you know, the, the gospel message that Christ has died? Paid for your sins, your sins are forgiven. It is when we proclaim and speak authoritatively, based on the Word of Christ, that that offers the greatest comfort and security imaginable for people. And well, that's something that is desperately needed right now. Um, people I, I, are
0: one hundred percent agree with you. I mean, it's in so many ways, right? Like, are we are we preaching with authority? Are we listening to preaching as if it were authoritative, right? Or are we just kind of sitting there like, you know, everyone's a critic these days, right? And it's just sort of like, you're like oh, all right, well, yeah, all right, pastor. That was, I mean, that was an okay sermon today, right? I mean, which is like, yeah, we I get it, you know, not not every sermon's, a, you know, like a home run, right? I, I understand in, in that kind of human perspective, but on the divine perspective, it's God speaking to you, right? I mean, like, and, and that's a challenge. I think I think you you probably can relate to this a lot, brother, that, you know, as a pastor, when you're listening to a sermon, right, it's very easy to go into like critique mode and just being like, well, I wouldn't have said that. Or like, I don't know about this well, guy's application section or, you know, you know but it's like, you, you got to kind of turn that off at a certain point and say, this is the authoritative voice of Jesus Christ, the King speaking to me, like, regardless of how bad I think this sermon is, this is the authoritative word of God. And I need to treat it like that. You know, I mean, like, do, do we act like that? Do we act like the benediction that we receive? Is authoritatively the blessing of God put on us? Do, do we do we really value the authority of the keys in absolution? And that's not just like a you know like a, a helpful reminder, but it's actually the authority to open um, and close um, the the doors of heaven. You know, I mean, it's uh, I, I think you're, you're just uh, spot on.
1: Yeah, and and that's the, that's the thing is our human nature really rejects authority, doesn't it? I mean, we've, yeah. we've seen that, of course, throughout history, and we we certainly see, you know, how this kind of started in the '60s, kind of a thing in America, and and it's really kind of uh, grown and. Everybody is an expert now. Everybody is an authority. Right. If you have Google, I mean, you're, you know as much as anybody. I mean, you know, you <laughs> right. People go into the doctor, when they, and certainly when they come into the Church, if they bother coming into the Church, because right. a lot of people shy away from the Church, because the Church is, by nature, an authoritative place. I mean, we dare right. to say, thus saith the Lord, when we're speaking right. based upon God's Word. But that authority... Of Jesus, we see the joy and comfort that that gave to people. When Jesus speaks to us authoritatively and says, your sins are paid for, you you have the confidence of heaven, and people right now are terrified. I mean, I'm just amazed at how many people are so scared, because death has, for perhaps the first time in our society, it's not an abstract thing anymore. For a lot of people, it's concrete, it's real, and as we see people trying to face that they're they're not many are not doing so well and the church is able to to say hey jesus says i am the resurrection and the life you know scripture to die is gain, and so we, that that authority while rejected is what people desperately need and it's what what alone can bring the comfort and confidence that we need
0: Right. Well, and I think that's so much of what we saw, too, in Revelation that we just finished reading that, you know, how does how does the Lord um, introduce himself? Right. Um, I am the Alpha and the Omega, uh, who is and who was and who is to come, uh, the the living one with the keys to death and Hades. Right. I mean, um, and so often again and again throughout Revelation, he's described as faithful and true and the word. Right. I mean, it's just all, all throughout. It's all about his authority, 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 authority. I mean, that that is that is the point. Right. I mean, that, that's how Jesus, Jesus can't save you without being your absolute authority. Um, Jesus is not just the example that we can kind of take into account uh, and try to imitate. And maybe that'll work out OK for us. He's not just a, you know, like a helpful like guide. And he said some interesting things, you know, was very insightful. Right. Um, If if you don't believe in his authority, you don't really believe he can actually save you. Because as you were saying, that's exactly what he does, and that's what we need. We need an authority to speak the truth. We need an authority to open and close the gates of death and Hades, because they have been having their ways with us uh, since the beginning of humanity, and we need someone who has authority to put it to an end. Um, Let's, if we if we could, maybe try to go through a couple of points, kind of kind of quick here and maybe we can alight on maybe one more to focus on maybe for like the last uh, five minutes or so. But so just kind of a little bit rapid fire here then. Uh, So we've been talking about, you know, the beginning of this gospel, this gospel activity, this preaching activity um, of the Lord Jesus. You get the quote from Isaiah. um, And then you're like, wait a second, it's not all from Isaiah. What's going on there really quick? Well,
1: he includes... uh... And Mark includes uh, part of the quote from Malachi, right? And, um, right. That's, that's uh, sometimes used by critics, but I, I guess I really don't see why. Um, he he is quoting from the Old Testament and ultimately showing how Jesus fulfills all of the prof- all of the prophecies of the Old Testament.
0: Right. Well, you know, and it's like you think about the way that Scripture is used. I mean, we use it in the context of worship. You know, we say the Lord's prayer, for example, and we commonly add to the end of the Lord's prayer. You know, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, Amen. Um, no, no one says like, oh, well, see, that wasn't the Lord's prayer. That was the Lord's prayer and this doxology at the end because that's not there in Matthew. Or you know, if we if we say a Psalm in church. At the end of the psalm, we'll typically say, uh, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, you know, and the rest. And no one says, like, hey, that's not in the text of the psalm, right? So, I mean, it's actually kind of normal and even used today that um, when you're, like, introducing or concluding um, an important quotation, especially when it's something that might be um, recited or or used frequently— To, to to use to pull in, to draw in something else. And so I, I'm, yeah, I'm right there John with is, you. I don't think there's any John problem. Is
1: simply, yeah, John is simply quoting from the Old Testament to show who right. Jesus is. Uh, to right. point to Jesus, I should say. And, you yep. know, he's not—it's um, not that uh, uh, Mark—it's uh, certainly not that Mark is ignorant of his Old Testament and somehow, you know, got confused on the passage—
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just, um, you know, it, it's it's Isaiah whos we're going to see it throughout Mark—that Isaiah is the focus. Mal- Malachi is going to get quoted here because um, Malachi particularly applies to John the Baptist, but the focus is not on John the Baptist. It's about, you know, what, what it's saying, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark is super focused, and so we're not going to get, you know, hung up—you um, know, we're, we're not going to get, you know, stuck in the weeds here on the details about John. And Um, So I think that's why John gets so quickly introduced and then um, just sent right off stage. Right. Uh, Because, yeah, you got the details about, you know, the camel's hair and the leather belt and the locusts and wild honey, which I think is supposed to be reminding us about, um, you know, I mean, I mean, who he represents, Elijah, who wore similar outfits, who similarly had to subsist in the wilderness But, I mean, he gets right off the stage, right, and it goes right into the baptism and right into the temptation of the Lord Jesus, kind of as like one big scene. Um, Really interesting that it just goes so quickly from his baptism to his temptation. What do you make of that sequence?
1: Well, that's that's the whole point, is baptism. Jesus' baptism sends him out into the wilderness, doesn't it? Immediately after he is baptized, he is... Uh, designated by the Holy Spirit and recognized, we have the, the Trinity there, and He is His yep. His work is marked, and He goes out. And I suppose we could also, um, you know, make the point that it's it's no different for us. Your baptism sends you. So you know, when you are baptized, when we are baptized, we are sent into the wilderness, and it is well, it, it is it, our baptism, of course, that that gives us the strength that we need
0: to go into the wilderness. Yeah, well, yes, yes. And I think you're absolutely right that, you know, it does say that in verse 12, right? The spirit immediately drove him out, right? So, I mean, he gets baptized, the spirit descends in the form of the dove, and the spirit's like, okay, go, you know? Um, I mean, so that baptism, I mean, it is a, as much as we think of it as, you know, some, bringing someone into the church, Um, It is just as much a sending out, like you were just saying. What's interesting is to consider, okay, if his purpose is to preach, then why is he going out into the wilderness for 40 days where he's going to be all by himself with animals? I mean, he's not preaching the gospel to them. Um, But I I think this is where the Old Testament background is helpful. Um, I mean, I want to see what you think about this. But like Moses, right, was sent to deliver the word of God to the people. But before he would deliver to them the Ten Commandments, he fasted on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, it says, right? There's a kind of preparation you got to do before you go and just start speaking. I mean, we saw that earlier. You, you you pointed it out, that he woke up really early in the morning to go pray by himself. You don't just go and just start speaking this gospel. You're handling something that's holy and precious, and it's the word of God. And the Lord Jesus is acting with all reverence, and he's, I mean, acting to, in some ways, prepare himself uh, for what he is going to do. He doesn't take the message that he has lately.
1: Right, and we see that repeatedly with Jesus, that he goes off to a solitary place, to a quiet place, and he prays. And, um, you know, that's that's the pattern that we find, and certainly uh, important for us as well. We, we need to spend that time in solitude. That's one of the themes right now. I know that uh, that's been really hard right. for us society where people can't stop people there there is no quiet time there is no solitude suddenly people have a lot more of it many people have a lot more of it than they really would wish for but it is yeah, it yeah. is hopefully a useful thing for us to be reminded that just as our lord had that time that time of solitude in the presence of the father uh, you know in prayer and and speaking to the father that we too desperately need that. We need that time of solitude to hear the Father's voice and to speak to Him that we might have the strength we need.
0: And that's so fascinating that, and you can see this in the Gospel of John very, very clearly that even though the Lord Jesus has all this authority, He acts like it's not on His authority. It's ultimately on the Father's authority, right? I mean, he he acts with such reverence and humility before the Father, before before his God. I mean, he's God, right? We we know and confess in our creed, but he, you know, the the Father is God for him. And he he acts with all reverence and he says, you know, it's it's your word, Father, it's your task that you've given me um i'm only going to do this as you prepare and direct me and you and you see this reverence and you just think to yourself you know if the lord jesus is going to like reverently submit himself to the will of the father father for 40 days before he goes and preaches Maybe we should take four minutes before we tweet that hot take. <laughs> you know, I mean, like yeah. we get, I mean, every once in a while we get, we get bold and we're like, we're going to preach the gospel to these sinners. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and we di- and we just don't prepare ourselves at all. And, and so I, I think your words are really well said brother that, I mean, let this be a time that reminds us of the value of quiet time of reflection of solitude of preparation. Um, Really, really quick here. Um, last couple of things. So we do get some um, miracles, though. Um, so he, you know, he calls a few disciples again. There's that astonishing authority. He just says, "Follow me," and boom, they go right. Um, but but yeah. then you get these miracles, um, and and the first one is is an exorcism. Fascinating how Mark seems to focus on. Exorcisms in this way. I mean, even even when it's talking about um, him healing many and healing um, Simon's mother-in-law, the the summary is he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. You know, I mean, and, and the focus is still there on the demons.
1: Why why this
0: focus in Mark?
1: Well, he's showing his authority over evil. He is showing his authority over the devil, and of course, there's the suggestion that. You know, when Jesus was walking this earth, obviously there was perhaps a, um, you know, a lot more satanic activity in the sense of wanting to stop him from uh, uh, reaching his goal of the cross. And also Jesus had come to confront evil, hadn't he, and to, to cast out the demons and to conquer and to give us victory over them
0: absolutely we saw that in revelation too just the idea of you need authority if you're going to bind satan right and and that's what we saw that uh, we had we had that vision you know towards the end where the dragon is finally there's that angel who has the the key and with that key then he locks up uh satan for i mean the, the dragon right for a thousand years in the abyss before he's ultimately then thrown into the lake of fire you need this authority, and in the teaching of the Lord Jesus Himself, He's going to talk about this, and and so I mean, it really is kind of the, I mean, I mean, it's just kind of the, the big one here, right? He actually has the authority to silence the most powerful evil and like all sources that are contrary to God, the demons. He has authority even over them, and he's binding them. He's binding Satan so that this gospel message can, can come out and be revealed and this mystery finally uh, revealed to all, which really raises this question then, if, if the purpose is to accent his authority um, and to draw attention to his word, right, why then is he n- permitting, not permitting the yeah. demons to speak? Why is he cleansing this leper and telling him, be quiet, right? I mean, if the whole yeah. point yeah. is to get the word out, um, why Hi. is he telling everyone to, to, to keep it to themselves?
1: Because his time has not yet come, right? it is not his time to go to the cross and to uh, and to suffer and die it, he will that will happen on god 's timetable, and so frequently we see that don't we that Jesus does not permit tells people not to speak, he does not want the crowds to gather and to try to make him into uh, some sort of a a king or whatever kind of messiah they are looking for.
0: Yeah, that's right. He's only going to he's only going to present himself as the Messiah when it's on his terms. He will yeah. eventually go into the city yeah. um and he, people will call him son of David and he'll just say, "Yeah, that's me." You know, I mean, he will get to that point where he presents himself as the Messiah, yeah. but only on his terms when he's had a chance to define what that means. And and that's really fascinating, I think, you know that uh, it, it, he's not just like, yeah, just whatever we can, just let's just get the word out. Let's just, you know, dump the the pamphlets all over the place. Let's just broadcast it all over. And yeah, sure, whatever, the more the merrier. Um, I mean, it's, it's very, he's very deliberate about it. It's not just about getting information out there, right? It's about demonstrating well, course, no anyway. things. It's about living things out a certain way, right. because it is God's plan and not anyone else's. Yes, yes
1: according to God's plan, not anyone else's.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, brother, you know, it's, uh, it feels just crazy sometimes going through a whole chapter like Mark chapter one, um, so fast and just so much, but I think we really hit on um, some of the really big themes and I really appreciate the way you broke down um, and just drew that out for us, how it's about the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ in everything he does, including the preaching and just how, let this be a time where we appreciate in our solitude, the authority of his word, which saves us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, brother. Looking forward to having you on again really soon. God bless your Easter season. Thank you. Everybody, that was Pastor Daniel Olson, pastor at Saint Paul Lutheran Church in Luxembourg, Wisconsin. Moving on to Mark chapter two next time. You know, and these chapters they uh, they, they don't they don't let up at all. Um, you've got a lot more teaching actually, and a lot more red letters in Mark chapter two. So we're going to have our hands full again uh, but just uh, an amazing look at this chapter here just reflecting on the authority of jesus christ may we not neglect or take for granted his saving authority until then everybody i'm pastor aj espinosa peace
1: Been listening to thy strong word produced by the lutheran church missouri senate office of national mission in cooperation with worldwide kfuo the official broadcast ministry of the lcms your support is vital for this program to continue you can make a gift safe secure and easily online at kfuo.org thank you for listening and supporting thy strong word